Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now in our 52nd episode of 2022. You know, it's hard to believe that how quickly the year has gone by. But before we kick off, I'd like to thank Nokia, the gold sponsor of Fiber for Breakfast. I hope that everybody's having a wonderful holiday, and I really appreciate you taking time out of this, um, your schedule to come join us this morning for Fiber for Breakfast. Before we get started, I'd like to remind everyone that our first regional Fiber Connect workshop is just around the corner. It'll be held in Raleigh, North Carolina on Tuesday, February 7th. Registration is now open, and we hope that you'll be able to join us. That brings us to today's Fiber for Breakfast session with the Fiber Broadband Association's strategic research partner, Mike Render, the CEO and principal analyst at RVA, who's going to share the latest new provider survey results that reveal fiber broadband deployments accelerate in 2022. You know, last week on Fiber for Breakfast, we heard from Dr. Duncan Earl of Cubitech, who discussed is Quantum the next killer app for fiber broadband. If you missed that session, I suggest you watch the replay or listen to the podcast as Quantum Network and the Quantum Internet is going to have a dramatic impact on the future of communications. Today on Fire for Breakfast, our guest is the FBA's strategic research partner, Mike Render, the CEO and principal analyst at RVA, who's going to be sharing the latest new provider survey results that reveal fiber broadband deployment accelerated in 2022. Mike is the CEO and principal analyst at RVA LLC, Market Research and Consulting. He is generally known as North America's premier market research expert in tracking fiber optics uh, and fiber broadband deployment. You know, Mike, I was looking up your bio, and did you know that there's a uh, a rapper named Mike Render called Killer Rap? What no, Killer Mike? I did actually. <laughs> I've seen that. <laughs> All right, so Killer Mike is joining us today. <laughs> but anyway, so Mike um, is, does uh, tracks fiber optic deployment and consumer attitudes towards broadband. Mike has received numerous industry awards for his work in this arena. Mike has been a strategic research partner with FBA for well over a decade. So welcome, Mike. And for audience, type in your questions as you go, and we'll work them into the Q&A at the end. With that, I'll turn things over to Mike. Great, Gary. Well, I'm not sure I've won as many awards as Killer Mike, but I'll uh... So we want to present the um, information from the latest provider survey. We, we've done this now for 20 years, basically, kind of keeping track of where we are with fiber deployment and um, complementing our consumer work that we do. So we use a lot of things. Primarily, this is bottom-up research, our own research, um, surveys of providers, very, very small providers, mid-level providers, as well as public data for on public companies uh, uh, of course we review the fcc data uh, understanding there are some problematic areas there uh, we look at you know share from our consumer study that we do 
of providers. We also look at other industry uh, association surveys, you know, specific surveys like the small uh, telcos and and uh, rural electric co-ops and so forth. And of course, just data and interviews with individual um, vendors and engineers throughout the year. So with all that, we have a very, uh, you know, no nothing is per very absolutely precise, but we think it's a very accurate view of where we are with, with fiber. So one of the first things we wanted to do is look at what is the marketplace? What, what's the addressable market? Um, and we're now getting to the place that we want to expand that just beyond households. There's about 130 million households in the U.S. And then there's almost 10 million second homes and Airbnbs and so forth, which are also candidates for fiber. So we do have about 140 million homes that we could address with fiber. Okay, so there, here's the big drum roll. Uh, we have now set a new record, 7.9 million new homes passed by providers this year, which is, uh, you know, just was almost unimaginable when, when I first started this and people were passing, you know, a few thousand homes a year. Um, so uh, as you can see, we passed the, the, a peak in 2008, uh, 4.2 million, with 2019, there's 7.2 million, now 7.9, so a great milestone. Uh, that includes about 7.6 million that are actually individual new homes. There are some new homes that are that are passed more than once by providers. Next slide. So here shows the cumulative impact, and we're now up to 68 million homes passed and marketed, actively being marketed to consumers. That's about 13% year-over-year growth. So very good growth. You can see uh, it you know, kind of turning upward and being very strong. Um, we're now at about 28 million homes connected. So of that group, about 28 million homes connected. So all this is very good news for the industry. And this is showing, yeah, you could go back to that one. This is, that one shows the unique homes, 63 million unique homes in the U.S. cumulatively. Again, uh, there are some of the passings, if you add them up, providers are actually passing a home a second time. But um, this is an important measure because this is the important one to measure penetration, take rates against, and so forth. Who's doing this? Obviously, the big players, tier ones, the, the big uh, telco providers, AT&T and Verizon, um, Frontier, and, and derivatives also, just to keep it in the same bucket. When, when they passed on some of their groups, sold some of their territory to people like Ziply, Apollo Brightspeed, Consolidated. That's in this group. Also the top five MSOs who have done more fiber than most people realize. You know, they're still primarily focused on DOCSIS, at least the top two or three, but uh, there is quite a bit of fiber among all of them. And of course, Google Fiber, a big uh, private competitive provider. Then, you know, on average, about 3.8 million each, although of course AT&T and Verizon have a much bigger number. Uh, tier twos, these are multi-state, smaller providers, but, you know, TDS, Windstream, et cetera. Uh, about 8% of the market is passed by them. And then not the least is 1,200 smaller providers. You know, these are very, usually single state, one or two states, uh, cable companies, telcos, uh, uh, private competitors, municipalities, rural electrics. A lot of small players, but they add up to 18% of the market, so very important in the market. And this is an area that a lot of people miss when they 
from an outsider view, start looking at the market for fiber in the U.S. So take rates, uh, take rates are, as you can see, are strong. They've kind of leveled, leveled off at about 45%. But this is actually um, not bad because when you have a strong build, it takes a while to get all the build uh, taken by consumers. So that tends to, in some cases, even drop. As you can see back in 2004, when Verizon started building, takes rates dropped for a while because uh, it took a while to catch up. But a lot of people, for example, AT&T has recently spoken about how they're getting to their first 20% much faster. And uh, so that, that's a good sign for the industry, too, that, that penetration is happening very, very quickly, consumer penetration and take rates. So um, we are now at about 48% of primary U.S. households, getting close to 50%, and the red line in the left, as you can see, um, we're now, you know, we're basically halfway to covering all homes uh, and we're doing it at a faster pace and then the blue line which is starting this you know when when technology reached one percent of the market it took longer to get coax to people and even longer to get uh, copper the first telephone lines to people and and of course this is the, even with the fact that there are a lot more households to cover now than there were back in those previous uh, historical cases so Again, 48% of primary homes, about 12% of second homes are now passed. Uh, our family even has a second home that's now passed, um, which uh, I think I told a story earlier that uh, when, when I was young and we had that place, my father had to go into town and get in a cram in a payphone booth and try to call business and so forth. And now we have fiber to this second home. It's, so it's, it's quite a step. Fiber providers as as probably everyone in this know, call knows, are primarily symmetrical. And most people are now offering a gigabit or more. We have people offering as much as 25 gigs to consumer. But 98% are offering a gig or more. And most of those are symmetrical. So, and that's very unique in the broadband industry. No one is 98% of their customers being offered a gig. Not, not everyone takes a gig to start with, of course, but being offered that and of course, no one else in the broadband industry has symmetrical gigabit or beyond. So very unique feature of fiber. Uh, Canada, um, also important to us, obviously, um, even ahead of the US in terms of getting to households, there are about two thirds of all households are now passed. There's still a lot of rural homes to be do, to be done, so that'll take a while, but uh, very impressive work there. And, uh, connected just a little bit shorter take rate percentage wise, but that's coming up quickly. Uh, 3.9 million homes connected. So hats off to the Canadian contingent of uh, the association. Next slide. Uh, this is from our consumer study that we do every year, a study of usually three or 4,000 consumers. Uh, we started this in 2007. This shows the the basically market share of, to consumers of these different technologies. Uh, you can see in the first part, it was primarily uh, dial-up. Uh, then uh, DSL and cable modem were kind of going neck and neck for a while. And then uh, cable modem started exceeding DSL. So there was the age of cable. And they're still in the lead, as you can see. But you can see some other factors. Fiber is going steadily upward as it gets built out. 
Uh, DSL is declining and, and picked up its decline rather rapidly in the last year or two. And meanwhile, um, you know, wireless has taken a forward step with new 5G technology. Uh, but, uh, you know, we don't expect that to be any serious contingent to fiber. In fact, most of the customers they've picked up are from older wireless, DSL, and so forth, very little from, from fiber. So um, you can see the, the, the race is on now uh, between the next step for fiber. It's now in second place. Uh, cable modem is, is still in the lead, but that's the next, uh, the next challenge on the, on the horizon to potentially be. So I wanted to talk a little bit about um, fiber's advantages. Um, many of you have probably seen these slides because we've done them in the past, but this shows the very latest data. And as you can see, uh, the, the, the speeds in the terms of the downloads, fiber in the blue line is beating everyone. Cable modem is second with the red line, uh, reasonably close, but, but still clearly in second place. And everything else is, is, is way down. Wireless did take a jump as some of the newest technologies come into play, but uh, fiber clearly leads. On the upload side, there's just no contest. Fiber... Uh, way ahead. And by the way, these are taking, taken in our consumer study where we actually do speed tests during the surveys. And so it's a random sample of consumers. We take these speed tests so they're very accurate. Uh, there's no other source that I know of other than the FBA study that does this. You know, the, the analysis from speed test companies is good. But that can be biased because people with a gigabit, for example, are more likely to take a speed test than someone who has a megabit. And sometimes it gets uh, businesses are, are in that data as well. So this is a very uh, solid measurement and the most random measurement we have, I think, out there of these different technologies. So fiber clearly, clearly wins objectively by the standard. We also measure latency, which as many of you know, is the time it takes an individual packet to get from one place to another. And it's important, of course, for, for voice. You know, if you hear somebody from Europe on a satellite feed, you, you know the, the gap that you hear, the delay. Obviously important for gamers and for people using virtual reality and all these things. So fiber clearly wins. On an average, it's about 60. And on a median, it's about 0.26, um, uh, I'm sorry, 26. Uh, milliseconds. So definitely the best. Um, the reason the average is higher for every technology, there is kind of a tail where there are some very poor results um, out there in the in, in rural situations or, or bad connections or whatever. But fiber always is uh, ahead and it is this year as well. Jitter is the variation around an average latency it's important because these variations in themselves can call cause a real degradation in the in the broadband quality and and fiber has the most stable uh, signaling you might say as well so we have been uh, watching net promoter score since 2016 and um, the green line fiber has been winning as you can see and continues to win everything is moving upwards um, fiber continues to lead um, which is a strong note for fiber because it relates, of course, to satisfaction with, with the overall performance. Uh, 
the everything else has been going up somewhat. Wireless took a jump this year again with the the new technologies and. Of course, in that are people that used to have no connection or a DSL connection, poor DSL, that now have a better wireless, fixed wireless connection. So uh, that satisfaction has gone up and we expect some pretty good satisfaction for the next few years before, you know, the the uh, the newness wears off and they see some, some potential concerns as well. But fiber has an opportunity to do even better over time as, uh, even more customer services added to the underground, obvious underlying performance of, of fiber. So one other thing I wanted to mention, uh, we did a study which is available in the research section of the Fiber Broadband Association that is a detailed review of broadband overall and really shows the impact. We tried to measure the impacts of fiber in a real objective way, you know, trying to take out biases of different kinds of of um, people involved or, or the, the demographics of each group of customers by looking only at specific core, specific slight, slice like lower income uh, of a certain age. And what we saw is people with fiber are rating their access to healthcare better, statistically significantly better. In other words, enough difference with 95% confidence that it's not just some kind of error in the in the sample or whatever, it's a, it's an actual um, verifiable difference. Children's education, the same thing. People tend to say that their their children. We were not even asking about fiber. We we're saying, what's your, what do you, how do you rate your children's access to education? And and when you cross tabulate that, fiber does better, uh, statistically significantly better. Uh, sustainability. Fiber has lower uh, power consumption than any other method, and it uh, uh, also has lower power consumption in in terms of uh, uh, truck rolls. You know, fiber has better reliability, and the truck rolls obviously create a, a great deal of uh, gasoline use and emissions. So, fiber has better sustainability. Also, it enables more work from home. Uh, any kind of better broadband does this and we, we've seen this in our own studies so you add that up and it makes a big difference in sustainability as much as you know if you could make put everyone in fiber today and take off all the old technologies as much as 11 million cars off the roadway so a, a, a big difference rural mi migration there's a trend in rural migration and people are um, when they are moving rural an interesting fact is over 50% of them are moving to an area with fiber, even though fiber is only available in about 30% of rural areas. So people are choosing fiber. Uh, they've said when they want to move, they're looking for one of the key things is, is good broadband. It's now a, a key choice point, along with things like affordability and low crime rates for where they move. So it is making a difference, and we're seeing this in the actual data. Entrepreneur, entrepreneurialism. Uh, entrepreneurism. Uh, we see that people are using fiber, any kind of better broadband, but particular fiber to create work from home situations, uh, home-based businesses, I should say. And this is especially significant for lower income families where it's difficult to go out and start a business in, in a high cost area. You, know, you have to rent a, a, a storefront or, a, or an office space. You can do it online and people are excited about this. They're seeing extra income added 
and it's it's even even in the very lowest income families we're seeing a significant move to online uh, home-based business and especially when fiber which enables this overall so uh, take a look at that in the on the consumer uh, um, part of the website the research part of the website for the fba and uh, with that gary i think i'll turn it back to you but i'm very encouraged uh, with what i saw from the data oh one, i think one more slide we're going to look at next five years um we have as you can see about 68 million homes passed to date uh but we expect even bigger things in the next five years first of all from private investment almost every company out there has announced big plans for fiber in the next uh, five years all the big telcos are doing so <clears throat> they realize the the existing copper that they have is bleeding customers rapidly they're trying to move to fiber quickly uh, many competitive providers and rural electrics and, and so forth are trying to do this as well add to that all the great investment from the bead program the federal investment programs that are already out there RDOF and so forth from the federal side so going to very you know less dense area where a subsidy is is needed adds this total we don't have an official forecast yet rva does a forecast every year but uh it definitely looks like you know a big step for this next five years from the past five years and even getting close to everything built to date so um very exciting times for the fiber industry obviously gary I'll turn it to you Mike, um, thanks so much. And uh, so if I was to net this out, basically um, we're half the job is done and the second half is accelerating in a big way from both private CapEx and all the federal and state subsidies. Is that the way you'd look at that? I think so, yeah. And, you know, obviously there are more new households coming out every year, so it's not a static number. Uh, so there's still a lot of runway left, but, um, we are going to make good progress and uh you know the name job is done might be a little premature because what we are also seeing is a lot of places are getting two fiber providers to each location especially in semi-dense areas and dense areas uh we fully expect you know the the mso's for example have been uh the smaller ones have been moving to fiber now medium MSOs and cable companies moving to fiber. The top two have still said they're relying on DOCSIS 4.0 primarily, but we wouldn't be surprised if they eventually move to fiber uh, as well. So, uh, you know, we may eventually see two fiber to, you know, 40, 50, 60% of the country. So the, the job's not done. Yeah, so. you know, I didn't have any fiber at my house and then Google Fiber um, came by. And then as soon as Google Fiber put in, then I had four companies you know the cable guys and the AT&T's and you know so we have all kinds of fiber options now so it's funny how quickly um, you know people respond to competition right so let's talk about cable for a minute so you mentioned you know cable we had an analyst you know um, on a few weeks ago to talk about the cable industry and DOCSIS and the way he described it and let me know if this is consistent is that Cable companies are, you know, the big ones. The small ones have largely gone to fiber the home, but the big, the big ones that have big networks, they are putting fiber in for all new builds, no brainer, pretty much across the board, and they're putting fiber in anything that's competitive. So if 
you know, CenturyLink or Lumen or AT&T, Verizon, anybody has fiber, they're going to respond with fiber. But anywhere there's no competition, they're just going to, um, it's less costly for them just to keep upgrading that to the next version of Doxis. Is that consistent with what you're seeing? I think so. You know, they, they would love to be able to stop with Doxis 4.0, but, you know, basically it's taking fiber deeper and deeper into the network and uh, making each node smaller and so forth. So, but they're also, in most cases, and even the, the big guys say this now, is they're planning for a possible move to fiber because they're bringing fiber and enough fiber that they can take that next step to take fiber to everyone. I will say, in addition to the cases you mentioned, these players sometimes will offload a fiber to if they have a massive um, uh, bandwidth user in their in their node, um, and to to get the pressure off, they'll take fiber to that person sometimes, and that that's another thing that's happening out there. So um, the other question that I have for you, just on the cable for a minute, and then we'll move to other things. But um, so one of the cable analysts. Um, kind of made out a big headline that, um, you know, the fiber bubble is going to bust or burst. And so what, you, any credence to that? I mean, what? Yeah, I, I don't I don't think so. I mean, you know, he was using some numbers that just added up everyone's announcement for 2022. Uh, we were a little slightly short of that for, for most of those players. But um, that's kind of to be expected. We see that all the time, that sometimes the announcement slightly overrun the, the actual ability to build. And of course, this year was challenging with materials constraints and, and everything else. So I don't see anything there. I, I do know that fiber providers, especially the big ones, have to deal with cash flow issues and making sure they pay their dividends. And of course, currently they're trying to adjust costs and lower costs and so forth. So we'll see some announcements here and there from somebody cutting back for this year or the first part of this year or whatever. But um, we see nothing that says this fiber uh, bubble is bursting, if you want to call it a bubble, but uh, continuing. And, and in fact, that same analyst had his own conference and I I looked at the transcript and privately he was asking these these uh, MSOs, you know, are you sure that MS, that Doxis 4.0 is going to do the job. You know, we're seeing some anxiety out there. Some cable companies, uh, Altice and some in Europe, are moving to fiber. These big companies have not publicly said they're moving to fiber, but they're certainly keeping that in their range of options. And uh, and uh, so that was an interesting side point as well. So the other one, and I don't know how you do this on your surveys, but any survey I've seen is when you ask subscribers what service they have and they they confuse their Wi-Fi with wireless. They think, mm -hmm. okay, you know, all my stuff doesn't have any cords, yeah. so it must be wireless. I don't know when they right. actually have fiber to their house. What how is that getting confused in any of the numbers on some of the wireless pickup or well it can, but we we very definitely try to eliminate that. It is true that people get confused, uh, even about fiber sometimes and everything, you know, we have to really be careful and try to try to look at several ways to confirm what they really have. With wireless, for example, one of the things we do is we look at IP addresses and look at their actual provider. We look at their provider who they mention and we confirm that is a wireless provider in both those ways, for example. 
um, and we have some other techniques we use to, to to clean the data in a sense. And nothing's perfect, but we, we think we have a pretty clean data of real wireless providers versus places places where people are confused. Yeah, and the the one slide this last question on net promoter scores. So we've seen a lot. Um, you know, we had um, the Calix on here a couple weeks ago talking about net promoter scores, and you know, I've had Jonathan Chaplin from New Street mm -hmm. and so what's confusing on your slide is it kind of looks like as you're going from negative numbers to zero, I mean, it's still negative net promoter scores, but what it looked appeared is that in 2022, everything was above zero, even DSL. What would you attribute that to? Well, I, th you know, I think there, there has been some movement upward, um, uh, but, Overall, I think the last measure I saw from an industry standpoint was from 2021, was still about zero. I think it's moved up a little bit because people have tried to improve their customer service. The DSL people, for example, have a, have a big uh, desire to try to keep people happy and prevent pre prevent churn. So that that is there. But um, you know, fiber has an, an excellent advantage to bring their scores up to you know, world-class numbers, which are like 70%, just by adding excellent customer service and building the trust. And, you know, the trust, when we when we do analysis, trust of providers is one of the things that is lacking. They've, they've had, you know, bait and switch things happen before or, or, or not had people show up when they're supposed to show up, all those kinds of things. So if, if our providers, if fiber to the home providers can can provide that trust, can provide that excellent customer service. There's no reason they can't be 60, 70, 80% net promoter scores. And there are some fiber providers that are achieving those scores. I've done some private surveys that show that. So it certainly is possible and, and um, fiber providers have the best product. They have the lowest operating costs. There's no reason they can't, can't get there. And, and um, that's, one of the messages I've left for fiber providers as well is 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 try to try to reach those levels. All right, this is absolutely the last question, but no the um, so there's some confusion over, you know, with um, AT&T pulling back um, for 2023 a little bit, and you know the Corning announcements on on the impacts of that um, to think that there's a pause. Um, my understanding from the analyst reports is AT&T is rethinking their 5G architecture, and they're still footing the gas. Um, so, are you seeing that everybody's got their foot in the gas, or do you see any pauses coming up? Well, I think AT&T is an example where there's some confusion. Um, I, there could be some pullback in their fiber deployment in 2023, or at least the first part of 2023. I'm not an expert on that. I can't say for sure, but I certainly heard some some evidence of that. But I I don't see any pullback in their commitment, you know, even in their very last quarterly um, uh, investment report and their, their question and answer, they were talking about how important fiber was and how important it was to, to get to 30 million homes as quickly as possible and, and how it was impacting their churn, uh, the faster they could get, you know, the, the better they stabilize and start growing their customer base. Uh, how it was impacting their ARPU and their their so I don't see any pullback in their commitment there. 
obviously there's questions about the best places to build and the cost issues with inflation and and uh, you know they all are constantly measuring managing cash flow and meeting their commitments to do dividends and wireless and so forth so th there's going to be comes and goes from them and every other player but i, I don't see any any uh, bubble bursting by, by any means mike as always you know just a great privilege to talk to you with you and i really appreciate all the work and being a great strategic partner for Fiber Broadband Association. So thank you for everything you do for our association. I want to thank everybody for joining us today and look forward to getting back together next Wednesday. We're going to be discussing constructing a fiber network with Steve Selenrek, the president of Selenrek Construction, discuss what it really takes to build a fiber network in this environment coming up. So you're not going to want to miss that. Um, Happy New Year and uh, look forward to seeing you guys in the new year. Thank you.